Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. It's often said at the start of stories like these, but I've had paranormal experiences my whole life. I'll tell you two that happened in quick succession, but to name a few more, there was the malevolent entity that used to talk to me and my best friend from under a bridge when we were on our way to school in the mornings back in the first grade. The sleep paralysis entity that haunted me and several others at my school and the curious entity that trails behind me if I leave my wing of the house at night. Anyway, I'm moving on to two other stories that I think will interest you, before I scare myself too badly. These stories both happened in the latter half of 2017, when I was 16. The first was when we were looking to move back to my hometown in Texas. Then the second was when we'd finished moving. The town is named after a Confederate general, which isn't abnormal for a small town in Texas. It's also in a county with a really bad methamphetamine problem, which is ample fuel for a different kind of horror story. Being 16, I was very, very unhappy to be moving away from the city, even if it did mean I'd be closer to my grandparents. I also hated the house tours. My sensory issues make being in unfamiliar places several times a day for several days a week a living hell. It seemed at the time that my mom wanted to tour every historic house in town, of which there are a lot, and a good chunk was for sale. It was early fall, which is still very hot in Texas, and we went to tour a house with no central heat and air. I was already very disgruntled, and so was my little sister, who just wanted to go hang out with her friends. My mom is lit up with excitement by this house, though. The outside is painted white, and the porch has a plaque that states the house has a city protection based on historical value. The house is tall, three stories, with a fairly large front lawn on flat ground. It's also, because we are talking small-town Texas, in sight of a Dairy Queen. We go into the house, and it smells awful, like cigarette smoke, mildew, and something metallic. The smell is the thing that lingers with me the most. No one else seemed to smell it, though. On the inside, the decor is much darker, and it has a lot of outdated features that my mom keeps trying to explain to me, but I'm just battling a headache that feels like It might split my head into two and pop my eyes out of my skull. We go through all three rooms on the first floor, then the second, 
and the realtor takes us toward the stairs to the third. As soon as I saw those stairs, I felt like something bad would happen as soon as I got near. I did not want to climb the stairs, but my dad called for me to follow, so I did. I look at the stairs for a bit longer, building up courage. Then I put my hand on the banister. My head exploded with white-hot pain, and I stumbled backward. As soon as the pain faded, I was overwhelmed with this unbearable, insurmountable sadness. It felt like I just lost everything I ever loved. I started crying. The adults were concerned just enough for me to let my sister take me outside, and as soon as I was outside, I stopped crying. I didn't feel that terrible sadness anymore. Here's the part that upsets me. When we got home, my sister and I were trying to figure out what happened. We kept researching the address until I found an article about a girl around our age killing her grandfather. I wish I'd saved it because for the life of me I can't find it again. I wonder if someone or something was urging me to take a deeper look, but I didn't have the emotional energy at the time. The second story takes place around the start of December of that year. I should mention that at this point, My sister and I were both practicing Wiccans. I now consider myself more of an eclectic pagan, and I don't practice much anymore, but that's beside the point. We had just finished moving boxes and furniture into the house I am now typing this in. My sister and I had sorted out whose room was whose, and so we sat down in my new room with her pendulum and some protective warding sigils we'd drawn out and poured our intent into. After cleansing the pendulum and establishing that left to right meant yes, and a circular motion meant no, we reached out to see what was in the house with us, to see what we were working with. The first entity we got was very playful, but had trouble communicating with us. My sister contacted them again later, and found out that her name is Helen. We were trying to find out Helen's name when we started getting inconsistent answers about what letter the name started with. My sister asked if we were still talking to the first entity who talked to us. The answer was a resounding no. The pendulum swinging in quick little circles with much more force than we'd previously seen. We started asking about this entity. Was it happy? No. Was it angry? Yes. Was it angry at us? Yes. Did it intend harm any of the human inhabitants or their pets? Yes. At this point, my sister and I are deeply disturbed and fairly scared, and this is where my memory gets slightly fuzzy. I do remember that in trying to figure out who it wanted to hurt, we found out the entity had bad intentions toward my sister. The entity went on to swing the pendulum in a yes more intensely than I've ever seen when asked if it wanted to kill. My sister started to try to banish this entity, and I started to help. Then we got a different answer. 
We asked if we could talk to someone else, and we got a yes. Whoever we ended up talking to explained that the bad entity was gone. We tried to discern what happened, and I'm not sure we used the right word, but we found out it was eaten by another being that resides in the house. The entity relaying this news was Helen again. We talked to her for a while, but got tired, so we closed out with a Thank you for convening with us. We greatly appreciate your help and ask that you do no harm in this home. Blessed be. We found out some more things through these pendulum readings about the spiritual inhabitants of the house, and my sister has brought in more. She likes to bring home haunted objects that she likes the vibe of, from thrift shops, antique malls, and garage sales. Several are spirits, a few are fair folk, and the one that tried to threaten my sister was also a spirit. It's worth noting that our house was built in 2002, and before the late 80s, there were no houses within a one-mile radius, just a densely wooded area. There hasn't been much time for human spirits to attach to the building itself, but there's more out there than just spirits. I implore my fellow spiritualists to keep that in mind. Blessed be. Back in 1999, I was seven years old. My mom and aunt were both majorly into horror movies and thought that it would be fun to introduce them to me, my cousin Jordan, and my sister Jacqueline. I vividly remember going to the local video store with them to pick up this rental. They wanted our introductory movie to be the popular 1996 slasher film Scream, directed by none other than Wes Craven. When my mom and aunt told me the name of the movie was Scream, in my naive and carefree child mind, I thought it was some kind of dance party movie. We went back to my aunt's place, popped some popcorn, and pushed in the VHS. After the opening scene with Drew Barrymore, I was terrified. Whenever Ghostface was on the screen, my whole body froze. I can only remember bits and pieces of the movie since I had my eyes closed for a lot of it. After the film ended, we were told it was bedtime. Yeah, like I can sleep now, I thought as they turned out the lights. I didn't actually cry, but I really wanted to. I held my tears back since my cousin Jordan was there and I didn't want to seem like a big baby. There was a sectional in our living room where we were all sleeping. The sectional was rounded, which formed this little hiding spot in the corner. I kept imagining Ghostface behind this sectional in the corner throughout the whole night. It petrified me and I barely slept. I survived the night, but Scream had lasting impressions on me, to say the least. Fast forward a few years later. Jordan and I spent a lot of time at our grandparents' three-story house. I loved going to their house because it was an awesome place to play hide-and-seek due to the size of the home. On top of that, they had a pool, a dock, and woods to explore. Overall, it was an amazing place to go when we were growing up. Well, it was amazing aside from one particular room. My aunt's childhood bedroom. This room had two twin beds and light pink walls with flowers stenciled on top. 
classic late 90s, early 2000s decor. The room also had pitch black carpet. I remember the carpet distinctly since it was so odd to me. I had never seen black carpet like that in my life. This room also had its own bathroom and a door that led out onto the deck. I don't know why, but this room always gave me the creeps. This room was, of course, the room Jordan and I slept in whenever we stayed the night over there, which was extremely often. On top of having a weird feeling about this room, I started having these dreams about Ghostface. He would be grabbing my legs from underneath my parents' first floor stairs. These stairs were freestanding, so if someone were standing underneath them, they could grab your ankles. In my dream, Ghostface would chase me up the stairs and I would end up running into my aunt's pink bedroom to hide. Every time, I would run into the bathroom and hide in the shower, where Ghostface would find me and stab me. I had this dream over and over for years. This is the only recurring dream that I ever had in my life. One night when Jordan and I were staying at our grandparents, it was time to go to sleep. We did our nightly bedtime routine courtesy of my grandmother, who was very good with routines, and climbed into bed. We alternated beds every night that we slept over. I always dreaded sleeping in the bed closest to the bathroom because of the recurring nightmares. But luckily, it was my night to sleep in the other bed. Although it was my night, Jordan insisted on sleeping in that bed. Eventually, after some excessive pleading with Jordan, I relented and let him take the safe bed. We talked about Pokemon until Jordan stopped responding and was completely asleep. Whenever I had to sleep in the bed closest to the bathroom, I would either sneak out into the living room to sleep on the couch, or I would shield myself from the bathroom with the comforter until I fell asleep. On this particular night, I didn't feel like sneaking into the living room, so I decided on the latter of the two choices. After protecting myself with the comforter shield, I finally drifted off to sleep. I wish that I had kept track of how long I slept because, of course, I had the ghost face dream again. I woke up right after that dream, completely drenched in sweat. I was still turned away from the bathroom, but I had this really strange feeling like I was being watched. I immediately got goosebumps and the hair on the back of my neck stood up. I continued to lay there, frozen. I thought that I would see Ghostface standing there if I turned to look. I slowly raised my head to scan the room. There was nothing near Jordan, but I still couldn't shake the feeling of being watched. I knew that I had to look toward the bathroom, I turned as slowly as I could, still using the comforter to conceal myself as much as possible, and then I saw the scariest thing I've ever seen. Right there, as tall as the ceiling, was a completely black mass. It had no face, no appendages, and no definition whatsoever, but it was there. The mass was completely void of any light and was blocking the bathroom doorway. I couldn't see through the mass. The bathroom had a tiny window with a street lamp outside. The light would glow through this window, but this time it was snuffed out due to this giant mass. After I locked eyes with this thing, I could not move. I just stayed there frozen, staring at this thing, though I wanted to jump up and run. It never made a sound, but I had this feeling that it really was evil. I don't know how long I lay there staring at it, but eventually the black mass faded away and I was able to turn back over and put my shield back on. 
I never mentioned this sighting to my grandparents or Jordan the next morning, but I knew that that would be the last time I'd be sleeping in that room. Fast forward again, 2010-ish. The recurring dream I had been having on and off for years had entirely phased out by this point. I was at my sister's house for a family gathering, and my aunt mentioned that there was a Scream 4 in the works. I was interested because of my love-hate relationship with the franchise, but talking about it brought back all these memories of my nightmares and the mass that I saw. So I decided to tell my family about it. I explained that ever since I saw Scream for the first time back in 1999, Ghostface has been my own personal Freddy Krueger. I saw my sister's mouth slowly drop open, so I stopped to ask her what was going on. She looked like she was in shock. Then she told us that she had been having a very specific recurring dream where Ghostface chases us up the stairs at our grandparents' home. In this dream, she would run into my aunt's pink bedroom and then hide in the bathroom shower where Ghostface would find her. I couldn't believe it. We had been having the same exact dream that consistently ended the same exact way. I had knots in my stomach. This seemed like something out of a movie. My sister never saw the mass. I was the only one that did. I fully think that a demon could sense the fear that the ghost-based dream brought both of us. I'm not sure why it decided to materialize for me after I had that same awful dream, but to that black demon in the bathroom doorway, let's not meet again. This happened to me in either late 2017 or early 2018, I think. I was struggling with really intense depression at the time, so my memory is a little hazy when it comes to dates. But I remember this night clearly. As I said, I was struggling with depression and had actually only just been released from the hospital where for a couple of weeks I had been admitted to prevent from harming myself. While the new medication was helping a bit, I still wasn't doing great. My living situation was not ideal, and I was struggling to pay bills, as well as living with my parents who had moved in with me after becoming homeless. My stepdad had his own mental health issues that he refused to treat, and they were exacerbating my own depression. In an effort to get me out of the situation for at least a little bit, and give me a much-needed mental health break. A friend of mine who lived in a different state helped me pay for a plane ticket to come and visit her for about a week. Her mother lived in the same state as me, only a couple of hours away, and the plan was for her to pick me up, and for me to stay the night at her house, and then she would take me to the airport in the morning. I'll call my friend Brittany, and her parents, Anne and Mike. Anne picked me up and we headed to her house. She and Mike were very nice to me and explained that I would be sleeping in the basement. It was a finished basement with an entertainment room to the left of the stairs, a bed to the right, and a bathroom behind the stairs. 
I said it was fine and that I didn't mind sleeping in the basement, but when I headed downstairs to put my things away, I had a weird feeling, like I wasn't alone. I brushed it off, assuming it was either a side effect of my new medication or some sort of anxiety from lack of sleep and being in an unfamiliar place. I went back upstairs and felt fine with Ann and Jack, and enjoyed being away from my apartment and getting to spend time with their dogs, who were very friendly. But when it came time to go to bed, I was anxious again. We said our good nights and I headed downstairs. The entertainment room was dark, and I turned on the bathroom light and left the door open so I wouldn't be so scared. I took my meds and I climbed into bed to go to sleep. The next thing I know, I was wide awake, sitting up in bed. I did not wake up and then move to sit up. I woke up already sitting, my back ramrod straight. I heard something in the entertainment room and turned my head to see a man standing there, watching me. His face was obscured by the shadow cast by the stairway, but I saw his outline clearly and could see that he was wearing a plaid shirt and jeans. He tried to speak to me, asking me questions, but to this day, I can't remember what he asked. My memory only makes TV static noise coming from his mouth. Whatever the question was, it scared me, and I said no very firmly. I gripped my blankets as he asked again and again, and every time I said no, I could tell he was getting angry with me, and then I was waking up again, sitting up straight in bed, staring at the living room, and there he was, asking me the same question that I can't remember, over and over. The cycle repeated several times. I lost count how many. But finally, when I woke up, I was lying in bed, and I could hear Anne getting ready upstairs in the kitchen, and her dogs pawing at the basement door, whining. I got out of bed and rushed upstairs and asked Anne, did Mike come down to the basement for anything last night? But she said no. He had been asleep because he had to work very early. I didn't tell her about the man in the basement. I flew out not long after that, and when I landed I told Brittany about the incident, and she looked a little worried. Apparently, her mother had been complaining of having nightmares for months, and she and Mike barely used that entertainment room because they felt uncomfortable down in the basement. I have no idea who the man was or what he wanted from me, but I know it wasn't just a dream and I was terrified. I'm glad I said no to whatever he was asking of me, and I told Brittany I would never stay in that house again. That night is one of my clearest memories in the fog of my depression, and I know it probably just seems like a dream or a side effect, but I know something was down there. I don't know what he wanted, but I never want to find out.
I moved into my place in April of 2021. My living situation is very chill. I just live in a condo complex with my little senior dog, Dexter. The morning following our move-in day, Dexter and I went on a walk and saw a cat eating from a bowl on our neighbor's porch. Dexter is blind, so he doesn't react to cats at all, which has made him a total anomaly to all of the neighborhood cats for just over two years now. This cat immediately noticed me and Dexter. The cat didn't run away, but it didn't approach us either. He was just looking at us, almost as if he were taking notes. The cat continued observing us from a distance for about a week or so before joining Dexter and me on our walks. Walking around with a dog and a cat is a pretty unique walking arrangement, so my new neighbors quickly chimed in with their comments. Oh, I see you've met Mittens, my new neighbor observed. Yeah, he's a really sweet cat. Is he yours? I asked. Oh, no. I moved in 12 years ago and somebody left him behind, I guess. I find him on my patio, my neighbor explained. But he doesn't like to go inside. He just lives outside and comes around when he's hungry. Mittens is one of those cats with thumbs. So this name was perfect. I was happy to have some more information about our new walking companion. A few weeks later, a different neighbor approached me with more, albeit conflicting, information about Mittens. Hey, I've been watching you guys for a few weeks. This is really something. I've never seen a cat walking with a dog like that before, my neighbor said. Yep, it's pretty unique, I agreed. My dog's name is Dexter and the cat is Mittens. Dexter and I moved in recently, but Mittens has been around here for a long time. Have you met Mittens before? Oh, yeah. I've been living here for about 15 years. Mittens has been here even longer than me, my neighbor said. He used to live in one of the condos. He's some kind of expensive breeding cat from Mexico. The people that bought him never bred him. Then they left him behind when they moved out. My other neighbor pointed out which condo Mittens previous owners lived in, and it differed from the condo where my first neighbor said that he found Mittens. Plus, there's also a two-year discrepancy between the two origin stories, so I can never be certain of where Mittens actually came from. I continued to attempt to piece together Mittens' story via the neighbors. But the first two neighbors I spoke to about Mittens had most of the information. The only other information anybody else seemed to have was, he's been here forever, he's friendly if he's not scared of you, and he doesn't like going inside. Pretty vague information, but consistent at least. Mittens continued to walk around with Dexter and me very regularly, that whole spring and summer. I guess Dexter and I had Mittens buy-in because when the temperatures dropped in the late fall, he started following us inside and even stayed with us overnight. It took about four months of convincing, but I was happy to help this sweet senior cat, who's been living on our street for over a decade, have a warm, loving home and somewhere safe to sleep at night. It didn't take long for neighbors to notice Mittens was going inside with me. This was a huge deal to some of them since, over the years, a few of them have made attempts to take Mittens in, but it never worked out for some reason or another. Dexter and I previously lived with our cat Dinah, who we had to sadly say goodbye to in 2019. Dinah was the last cat I was planning on having because I knew she was going to be a tough act to follow. So this ended up being a huge deal to me. 
It was very unplanned, and Mitten chose us. It was special. By this point, I had been sharing Mitten's integration into our life quite a bit on social media. I have a lot of friends that are cat people, so it was fun to share that process as it progressed. I even had a friend remark, so who do you think sent him? Now, for those of you that don't know, cats are considered spiritual animals in many parts of the world. They can be seen as symbols of good luck and protection. In some cultures, they're even thought to have the ability to communicate with the dead. Bringing mittens into our lives was a seamless transition. In what seemed like the blink of an eye, it was like he had been with me and Dexter the whole time. We fell into a nice routine. Mittens would stay outside during the day. Then, when I returned home from work, we would go on a long afternoon walk with Dexter. After that, Mittens would come inside to eat and go to sleep. This gave Mittens the best of both worlds. He got to have his adventures going outside during the day and then be absolutely spoiled inside at night. The neighborhood has tons of strays, which is really sad, but also a little scary at times because they can get into some pretty intense tiffs with each other. Luckily, I never had to worry too much about that with Mittens as he had well-established himself as an alpha cat. I mentioned before that cats can be seen as symbols of protection. Despite his very small stature, Mittens has always made me feel very protected. A few of my neighbors even shared some stories about seeing Mittens square up to dogs and other animals far larger than him. I always found these stories interesting, but ultimately took them with a grain of salt since I hadn't witnessed anything myself. Yet. Then, one autumn evening after dinner, I was taking Mittens and Dexter out for a walk when we encountered one of my neighbors walking their dog. The dog that we saw on our walk is a fluffy white shepherd, appropriately named Falcor. Falcor is sweet, and I can tell that he has good intentions, but he's significantly larger and younger than Dexter and Mittens. Falcor loves Dexter, but his size and energy levels are far exceeding those of Dexter's. As Dexter, Mittens, and I were on a walking path, we saw Falcor and his owner on the same walking path walking towards us. Falcor's owner and I exchanged some short hellos as Falcor was winding up, getting ready to energetically greet Dexter. Mittens, who was behind Dexter, leapt over Dexter, placing himself between Falcor and Dexter. Mittens let out a huge hiss and took a couple of swipes at Falcor. Falcor's owner and I were standing there in disbelief. We had never seen a cat literally jump over a dog to defend them like that. Luckily, Falcor received the message and quickly backed off, and all of the legends I had heard about Mittens squaring up to larger animals were suddenly true. Now the thing about Mittens is, he will leave you alone. But if you're bothering him or someone that he loves, he will take action. He's a very sweet and loving cat. He doesn't start any drama. He just settles in. Seeing him defend Dexter from Falcor was a shock, but he really only took action to de-escalate the situation. Once Mittens saw that Falcor was standing down, we were able to move on and continue our walk. What was a really unique situation to me and Falcor's owner seemed like business as usual for Mittens. Not a big deal at all. After this happened, we continued to see Falcor on our walks, but Falcor understandably kept his distance. By this point, Mittens had been in our lives for about six months. Even though it was pretty wild to see him square up to larger dogs, I continued to let him have his outside time. He lived so much of his life free to do whatever he pleased outside, and I couldn't take that away from him. My only condition was that he had to come inside at night, 
which he happily abided by, until he threw me a curveball during the following summer of 2022. When the weather was warming up again, Mittens decided that he wanted to be outside all of the time. He preferred to sleep outside during the summer. He came inside once in a while, but he wouldn't stay long. He still had a very strong presence with me and Dexter since he always stayed very close, and he continued to join us on every single walk. Luckily, once the weather cooled down again in the autumn of 2022, he fell back into his routine of spending more time inside. This past winter was a really long one with a lot of weather extremes. Lots of cold weather, rain, and wind. I don't think that any of us thought that it was ever going to end. The extreme winter transitioned into an extreme spring. Once the weather was warming up more, Mittens was chomping at the bit for his outside summertime sleeping routine. So... He started sleeping outside as soon as he possibly could. The weather has been very back and forth, so I think this threw him off a little bit. And he was really stubborn about maintaining his routine. So, even if the night was colder, he wouldn't come inside. I remained flexible with this. I was just happy to be in his world and always relinquished all decision-making to him. To me, it was his world, and I was living in it. One weekend... We had a lot going on, so I wasn't home much. I remember seeing Mittens on Saturday morning when he joined me and Dexter for our walk. Then I took off for the day, and I was gone for about 10 hours. When I got home, I took Dexter out for a walk. I walked by my neighbor's place and happened to notice that Mittens' bowls were gone. I didn't think much about this, but made note of it, since I thought that it was odd. My neighbor always had bowls out. I was peeking around for Mittens, but I didn't see him around. I knew where most of Mitten's hiding places were, but I never figured out where his super-secret outdoor sleeping spot was. Even if I knew where it was, I wouldn't want to disturb him. So Dexter and I went on our walk alone and then went to bed. I had plans the following day, so it was another busy morning for me. I took Dexter on a walk but still didn't see Mitten's around. When I was leaving my place, I finally saw Mitten's for the first time that weekend. He was sitting in the sun. I remember noticing that he looked like he had just been bathed, which was very unusual to me. He was always as clean as he could be for a cat that spent so much time outside, but this was the cleanest I had ever seen him. I was in a hurry, but still took a second to greet him, since I was happy to see him after I had been keeping an eye out for him. He had the softest fur on his chest, so I knelt down, gave his chest a few rubs, and said, Be a good boy. I'll see you later. I returned a few hours later and took Dexter for an outside walk, fully expecting to be joined by Mittens. We were walking by my neighbor's place and I noticed that Mittens' bowls were still gone. As I was walking by, my neighbor happened to step outside. He asked, Hey, have you seen Mittens? I've been really busy this weekend, so I haven't seen him around much, but I saw him this morning, I replied. My neighbor's face sank and he said, Are you sure you saw him this morning? I nodded, and he continued. Mittens got into a huge fight with the dog yesterday. I know that he was very badly injured, so animal control was out here, and I haven't seen him since. I think he's gone. I was completely numb after hearing that, but I managed to respond. I definitely saw him this morning. I'll let you know if I see him around. And just like that, Mittens exited my life just as unexpectedly and mysteriously as he entered it. I haven't seen him since.
I tried to call Animal Control to get some answers, but I wasn't able to obtain any information. I'll never know Mitten's full story. But one thing I do know for sure is that he loved me and Dexter and we loved him. The image of seeing him soaking up the sun the morning after he was taken away by animal control will be burned into my memory forever. He looked so happy and peaceful, not at all like he had gotten into some huge fight. I feel like having seen him appear to me in such a gentle but pristine way was his final act of protection for me. I'm very grateful for that now since I get to remember him in that way instead of how he actually went out. After spending just over two years with Mittens, I'm left with way more questions and answers, but I'm okay with that. He showed me and Dexter so much unconditional love and protection. I'm deeply honored that he chose us for his final stop. Mitty, sweet kitty, I'll never forget you. I'll always think of you whenever I walk by your favorite gardenia bush, and I'll miss you for the rest of my life. March of 2003, my oldest brother, Aaron, died from a car accident a month before my son was born. He had no children of his own and he was going to be my son's godfather. He was so excited to finally have a nephew and to be his designated godfather, so having him pass away a month before my son was born was extremely depressing. My son was born in late April and was healthy as can be. We spent just a few days in the hospital as normal, and everyone came to visit, as it was a burst of joy after the horrible death of Aaron. The day after I had given birth, I decided to take a nap in my hospital bed, after having a solid 24 hours of visitors. During this nap, I had the most vivid dream. I had awoken from my sleep and saw my brother Aaron holding my son in the chair at the end of my bed where my husband was usually sitting. Aaron was wearing his classic Levi's with a rock band t-shirt and black handkerchief hanging out of his right pocket. Everyone that knew him knew he always had that handkerchief on hand for whatever reason. In my dream, he never looked over at me. He was just looking down at his nephew. I was speechless. I felt an overwhelming sense of peace and wasn't frightened at all. This dream lasted just a minute or so, then I actually woke up. I decided to get up and move a little bit, and when I got up I looked over into the chair. In the chair was my brother's black handkerchief that he always had in his pocket. I couldn't believe what I was seeing and was almost scared to touch it. Eventually I picked it up and tucked it away in our new diaper bag. I asked my family members if anyone had dropped it or brought it into the room while I was asleep. Everyone said no and was pretty confused. I told my sisters what happened and they believe Aaron is now my son's guardian angel. I do think that was a sign that he is watching over us. I know it sounds absolutely crazy and I wouldn't have believed it myself if 
I weren't the one who witnessed it all. I'm back, everyone. I'm back. Um, I think I feel better. I think I'm better. Good, good. That was a little stressful for both of us. I mean, I've been the cause of either missing outros from episodes or having shortened outros in episodes and worse. I mean, I've I've had a really tough year, one thing after another. Well, don't feel too bad. It was my fault that we had to delay the podcast itself by like nearly a year. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you're right. That's true. Um, Well, let's start from the beginning for me for 2023. I sprained my toe. Not a big deal, but, you know, it was a minor setback. I came back from it pretty quickly. Then Mm -hmm. I get COVID. I got COVID more towards the end of 2022, but it kind of carried into 2023 and my birthday. And then I sprained my ankle, which in turn screws up my leg and my knee. My whole lower extremity screwed up. Gets a little better. And then I injure it again. And then we have a death in the family. And then last week, I, okay, I'll I'll put it this way. When I was 19, I had a bilateral hernia and had to get surgery on both sides. Quite a nightmare. My doctor told me there's, it'll probably be one of the worst things I'll ever have to do until I'm extremely old. And I was told that my chances of getting another hernia afterwards were lower than people that have never had surgery. It's supposed to like Mm -hmm. completely reinforce your abdominal wall. I'm supposed to be indestructible down there. It's like a 1% chance of getting another hernia. Last week, I start getting pain in my abdomen and I have this lump just like I did when I had a hernia. And I started, yeah, I started freaking out. And uh, had to go on vacation when this all happened. So the whole time of vacation was not relaxing. It was a nightmare. And then when I got back, Mm. I just went in straight to urgent care instead of waiting for my doctor because I had to find out what was going on. Well, I guess the good news is it's not a hernia, so we're not looking at another surgery. But it is a swollen lymph node that they picked up on an ultrasound that's causing all of my pain. And that's what I'm feeling in my abdomen. I mean, it's it's better than the worst case scenario, but it's also not good because I'm sitting here in pain and no, having, yeah, that's horrible. Having to wait for it to go away, basically, is all they told me. Just wait it out, which is exactly what I'm doing with my stupid leg, which isn't healed completely yet. I still get pain when I walk over a mile or so. Do you still have that little push scooter? <laughs> I, actually that's a bad idea to use because then it's just going to make me more reliant on it i need i basically mm-hmm. need to just walk through it i need to walk it out even though it's causing pain like i have to keep i have to keep working it otherwise i'll, I'll never i'll never come back yeah yeah well that's rough hopefully you'll get better i feel like you are though we'll see slowly but surely we're halfway through the year. I was looking up like why I'm so unlucky this year. And the best result I came up with was my Chinese Zodiac sign, the rabbit, mm-hmm. because it's the year of the rabbit. Apparently I'm cursed. Oh, it's because uh, I guess the rabbits offended some God. It's called the God of age. 
and therefore I'm cursed during the year of the rabbit, which is supposed to be my year. I was about to say, during your own year, that's a little messed up. It's very messed up. Uh, I, I am predicted to deal with many challenges and frequent life changes, and I'm advised to be more careful about all aspects of my life in 2023. And that's messed up, if you ask me. It makes sense, though, that I've dealt with so much pain and misfortune so far, and I can't help but think that there's more coming along the way. Yeah, that's like having to get tarred and feathered on your birthday. That's not cool. No, um, it is believed that, uh, quote, a rainbow will come after the wind and rain. But how long is this wind and rain? You know what I mean? I mean, we are in June. Hey, might get that rainbow sooner than you may think. <laughs> I'm told to wear <laughs> red underwear, socks, and carry or wear lucky dog trinkets. I would do all of those things. You know... I'll be honest. I, I think we should talk a little bit more about the Chinese astrology because it is interesting, but I don't honestly believe in luck or even astrology. I know that that's going to upset a lot of our listeners considering that I claim to believe in spirits, hauntings, and all these other wild things. But, you know, you'd probably say, why choose what you do, do and don't believe when it comes to supernatural or things beyond, you know, the physical. But there's just something about luck that doesn't make sense to me because if it were true, we would be able to carry these lucky rabbits feet all over the place and just be lucky all the time. You know what I mean? Why right, does it work right. sometimes and sometimes it doesn't work? You know, I think it's pretty fair to be skeptical about just about everything. It's not all encompassing in one box as far as the metaphysical abnormalities that we can't really make sense of. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that, that's fair to believe in spirits, but not astrology. Totally okay. I'm on board there. Although I will say sometimes it's it's on the nose, as we've said before. Um, I have, have have you used the CoStar app? I don't know what that is. It's an astrology app where you plug in all your information. And more often than not, it makes way too much sense. But still, there's part of me that doesn't... I'm not fully on board, but it is interesting. I'll give it that. What I always think when it comes to either fortune-telling or astrology, or anything that's supposed to tell you your future or predict anything, I always just am of the belief that we're just manufacturing those predictions in a way that they can apply to literally anybody. You know what I mean? It, it's, 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 it's to the point, but it's also a bit vague. And you could tell me, you could tell me that my horoscope was not, I'm a Capricorn. You could give me the horoscope of an Aries mm -hmm. and it, I could, my brain would figure out a way to apply it to something that's going on in my life because all of us as humans are going through so many different emotions and challenges every single day of our lives. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, I feel like it's very self-serving, you know? Yeah, it can be. It can be. And on the flip side, I will say. I, I feel that way too, but there are people that I know that fit their horoscope so well who don't really think much about it. Mm -hmm. And I've had them read three or four random ones and ask them to pick which one they think suits them the most. Mm. And three of four from memory picked their own horoscope and they were, they were just clueless to the whole thing. They, were, they weren't into it either. My dad being one of them, <laughs> and he was upset. He's like, damn it. <laughs> he it's I'm, I'm more like your dad, I think, about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool, but I'm mad about You're it. You're the snake, right? I'm a snake. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you remember that video from like a decade ago on YouTube? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I love that one. Yeah, funny enough, according to the legend, if I remember correctly, is the Zodiac animals all got their numbered ranks by having like a little relay race. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> the snake ends up surreptitiously attaching itself to the horse's hoof mm-hmm. and then jumps out and scares it by the finish line just inches ahead to beat the horse. That doesn't seem like you, though. Yeah, I know. I can be a little Machiavellian at times and within reason, but I'm not that competitive. I'm not cutthroat. I don't really care about things like that. Hey, guess what? I'm in sixth place, not seventh. I, I don't. I don't really care. It would take a lot for me to bend the rules to my will to put somebody else out. Well, I pulled up some of your um, personality traits here. It turns out your weaknesses are that you're gloomy. That checks out. Yeah. You're negative. Mm, Not really. No. No. Not really. Not really. And you're not possessive. No. Yeah. See, yeah. yeah. Perfect example. This is such a broad stroke and I don't really feel either of those words apply to me. However, it does say that your strengths are that you're charming, which is true. Okay. Um, You're helpful. Um, I would hope so. Are you helpful? Generally, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Do you find me helpful? <laughs> I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't think that you're unhelpful, but I'm trying to think of a moment where it was just like, thank God for Brandon. <laughs> no, no. Damn. No, I'm, I'm, I'm totally kidding. Uh, know, you, you've I helped know. out tons. Tons. Yeah. Um, and you're romantic. <laughs> or so they say. <laughs> yeah. Snake men are handsome and romantic and surprise women. <laughs> Surprise them? Yeah, I guess you surprise them. I just jump out of closets and say, boo. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like that. (laughs) It says here that everyone feels so comfortable and happy with their honeyed words. As a result, they can always get help from the opposite sex whenever they are in trouble. So when you're in trouble, (laughs) reach out to a lady. I don't know if always would be accurate, but (laughs) I mean, occasionally, maybe. (laughs) That's oh, funny. Let's go on to yours. What site are you on? I'm going to read yours to you. Uh, here, I'll send you a link. Okay. There you go. And just click on the rabbit. Okay. Since I'm a negative person, I'm going to start with the weaknesses too. <laughs> well, weakness number one, you're weak. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that, that's not actually right. According to my size... Because I'm so freaking tiny. I'm actually really strong, but I'm not strong in comparison to most other guys because <laughs> I'm mm. so small. I'm very yeah. strong for my size, but I'm very, it is true. I'm weak overall. That's correct. Aw. Aw. I'm so That's tiny. okay. I think you're strong. <laughs> well, number two, vain and unprincipled. What? Wow. Is that true? I don't know. No, I don't think so. Like it would depend internally versus like I don't think externally you are, but yeah, maybe within you could maybe find something there. Hmm. Maybe it could it could be lingering. It might be. It might be. I've kind of made it a point not to be vain in life. Like I don't like to get fancy things, and I'm like I don't I I wear sweatpants and t-shirts every day, and you know I'm ungroomed. Like <laughs> I'm gross. Yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> I'm the opposite of vain. I'm not at yeah, all vain. Yeah, you, you don't. You're not a big spender either. And I'm very principled. I think I like. I have a lot of principles. Like I don't. There's a lot of things I will not do out of principle, just out of guilt and shame, and mm-hmm. you know. I I don't know, man. So far, so far, it's not it's not fitting. Yeah, I'm, I don't think so. I don't think so. All right, what else do we have? What is my other weakness? The third one, infirm. In life, male rabbits are infirm and irresolute, no matter what they do. 
despite the capacity they would not study assiduously and tend to be bureaucratic. I'm going to be honest. I don't understand any of that. I don't either. <laughs> that was convoluted. Those were words that we did. Yeah. Like bureaucratic, sure, I understand the word, but in relation to everything that was said right there, I don't know. I'm okay. So my weaknesses, I'm weak. We'll just, we'll agree on that one. I'm weak. Yeah. Kind of like mine. Yeah. My wife can kick my ass. <laughs> she could. I would oh, love yeah. to see that. Dude. I would love to see that. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. <laughs> No, I'll tell her, man. It's cool. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, <laughs> What's going on my strengths? Yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's move on. Gentle. Number one, gentle. Yes, I'm very, very gentle. I am. Yeah. Considerate. Number two. Okay. I like that. I am, but I, while I am considerate, I do speak my mind often, and I am very sharp with my words at times. You are. You do have a, a spitfire mouth on I you do. sometimes. Yeah. But it's always in good faith, I think. Yeah, that's that's what counts. Intent matters. Well, that leads into the third, polite. You have good phone etiquette. Oh, I'm very polite. Yeah, I am yeah. apologetically polite to like anybody. Like, I apologize a million times for just asking somebody to do something. I, I I hate going to restaurants because I hate asking the server to go get me something. I apologize. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um. So yeah, those are decent but i also like feel guilty about claiming those attributes i feel guilty about saying yeah i'm considerate and i'm polite and i'm gentle that just makes me feel full of myself and vain i know <laughs> and a I'm lot not of vain. this yeah exactly exactly <laughs> a lot of this does feel like really like you said self-serving and just a little narcissistic here's the thing though dude i could say okay so the snake is gentle considerate and polite because you're all of those things right i was about to say like this is such a you're almost more of those things than me (laughs) i would say i'm all of those things to a fault where yeah yeah we don't have to get into all that but yeah you know (laughs) i do know yikes (laughs) yeah like that's the thing i i i have a firm personal disbelief in uh astrology fortune telling anything like that Um, maybe it's just because of my religious upbringing and it's just been kind of plowed into my brain that that stuff is bad, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I just like, it just doesn't vibe with me. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I'm really on board either for the most part, but it's interesting. I do think there is, it is interesting and there are some stories of clairvoyancy that are pretty incredible. I'll give them that. Yeah. But yeah, the astrology thing still not fully sold on it. And I think we can find meaning within everything. And mostly it boils down to intention, like with crystals, you know, we talked about that before. I was just going to bring that up. It's funny because I have like crystals and stuff around my house and stuff that people have sent me where I'm like, oh, this did bring me good luck when I got this. A lot of good things happen. Mm-hmm. But then again, I look back on it. And I'm like, those good things happened because I worked really hard for those things and they finally <laughs> came to fruition <laughs> this mm-hmm. because of years of work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, it, it's I think it has to do with the state of mind. It really does. It really does. It's an internal thing, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's that truth, that reality for the people that prescribe to those beliefs and they find meaning in it. So that's, that's what really matters. Ultimately, if it shapes your life, that's a measure of objectivity. If you can objectively say that you're happier or you overcame some hurdle as a result of utilizing astrology or Mm. you saw a psychic, a palm reader, whatever, Mm -hmm. and you can say it helped you, then 
who are we or anybody else to say it's bullshit. True. Good point. Good point. We've talked about it before, but I think next episode, since we covered the Chinese Zodiac, we should go back and revisit the Myers-Briggs thing. I know we've talked about it before. You're not fully sold on that, but it's a little less, and I mean this with all due respect, a little less hocus pocusy. There is some psychology behind it, and I think it's a cool tool. I want to do the blind test of some sort with you to see what resonates with you. Okay, and in tandem with that, I think that we should do a dream episode. Let's do some, because we get a lot of dream submissions, and we usually hold off on those just because they're very specific. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people seem to discount them. Yeah. Not a lot, but they can be discounted by others as, it's just a dream, but no, let's do that. I like that. We've had one before, and it was fun. Yeah, since we're going to be talking about psychological things in the outro we might as well uh cover some dream stuff because that's all it's all encompassing all in the mind it's all related sounds good man uh well i'm happy to be back this is a great episode and uh we'll see you all next week this week you have heard threatened by a malevolent spirit by silsey demon in the doorway by jameson Something in the Basement by Star, Dearly Departed Mittens by Hollywood, and finally, My Dead Brother Held My Son by Laurel. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Don't forget to sign up for our Patreon if you want to get ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bitrate for the best listening experience out there. And don't forget to check out the new episodes of my other podcasts, Let's Not Meet a True Horror Podcast. Welcome to Paradise It Sucks and the Old Time Radio Cast at crypticcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. See you all next week. Stay safe. Peace out.